Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast for Wednesday, October 24th, 2018. And we have a big slate 11 games, so I'm just going to get into it. Uh, But first, for the three-game slate we've played on Tuesday, hopefully you stacked the Sixers-Pistons game, because that game had a million points scored, went to overtime. And hopefully you avoided uh, the Nuggets, who I think were good plays for the slate, except they just ended up destroying the Kings, which... We see happen with the Kings a lot and something that maybe not as much of a risk for Wednesday slate when we get to their game, except the last few seasons we've seen the Kings are such a high-variance team. They they tend to just hit... When they lose, they'll lose big. They'll lose games of like 40, 50 points, and then they'll like be competitive against the Warriors sometimes in games they have no business being in. They're a team that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But Wednesday slate, we've got 11 games... Uh, with this many games, I'm not going to dig too deep for plays. We could just kind of look at what kind of seems obvious, where are the minutes going to be consistent, because we, ha- we have so many spots to choose from. So first game on the slate, and right off the bat, I think this is a pretty good one to target. It is the Dallas Mavericks at the Atlanta Hawks, uh, 234.5 over under. I think that would have been the highest total of any game last season, but that's Kind of a high-end game this year. That's the third highest on the slate. From the Dallas side of the game, I think Luka Doncic once again makes sense. Struggled his first NBA game. He's been solid the last two. Uh, 7100 The price has gone up a little bit, but still, I think he's ultimately going to be a guy who's priced in like the mid-8,000 range or so for most of the season. Uh, I think fantasy production from this year, I think it's going to be very similar to what we saw from Ben Simmons in his rookie year last year, where he was kind of starting like the high six, low 7,000 range and then settled into like the eights. And that's just kind of where it was the rest of the year. I think we see something similar from Doncic. I think he's for good for cash, good for GPP. Uh, the other play I like here is Dennis Smith Jr. Only for GPP, not for cash. Uh, Dennis Smith has really struggled to start the season. Has Let me look at his uh, box. I don't even think he's had any game that's been good out of the first three, maybe like one okay game. What I think he's interesting here is he's going to be matched up against Trey Young. And while Young has played pretty well on offense so far this year, I think he's going to be a massive liability on defense because of how tiny he is and where I think he could be really, where he could really be exploited is against explosive, fast type point guards. Now, Dennis Smith isn't very big. I think he's uh, like 6'2 and not a big wingspan. Uh, it's, it's about the same as his height. But really super explosive athlete. I don't see... Trey Young being able to stay with him on the defensive end. So for that reason, I think that Dennis Smith is worth looking at in GPPs, even though he's struggled a little bit. I think that him and Doncic are the two guys to look at from the Mavericks side. From the Hawks side of the game, Trey Young's had a ton of usage in the Hawks offense. Uh, even if the game is bl- a blowout, he tends to be out there anyway. You look at the last couple games from 60 fantasy points and 40 fantasy points. He's taken a lot of shots, 27% usage in each of the last two games. I am a little bit concerned in the matchup with Dennis Smith Jr. This is the first time he got up against a real strong physical point guard. I see this as being a potential weakness for him to start his career. So I'd probably only look at Trey Young in a GPP. Uh, same for Torian Prince, who we've kind of seen be erratic a lot over the last year and a half. Uh, but he has some really big games for upside. Uh, Kent Bazemore, I think, makes sense for cash and GPPs. 5300 is just a little bit too cheap for him. He has had some... Issues with fouls this season. Uh, had five fouls two games ago, limited him to 22 minutes. But when he stays out of foul trouble, we've seen him over 30 minutes, uh, over yeah, over 30 
uh, minutes per game and the fantasy point production, 29 fantasy points per game in 28 minutes. So if we look at the 5,300 price tag, somebody in a plus matchup is going over a fantasy point per minute, stays out of foul trouble, we could expect them to be like 30 to 32 minutes. That would be 30 to 32 fantasy points, which would be a, a, a great return for the price tag of 5,300. Uh, in the front court, we have Dwayne Dedman hasn't played yet this year. He's returning from injury. I don't want to target Dedman yet. I assume he's not going to get a full workload right off the bat. But one thing that is significant about his return is it's going to marginalize Alex Len a little bit. Len isn't going to have the, the same leash he had before. Uh, he's probably not going to be able to play as many minutes on a regular basis. So I think that Deadman makes it so I don't really want to target Len anymore, but not ready to target Deadman yet either. I think the guys to look at here would be Young, Prince, and Kent Bazemore. The next game on the slate, the Brooklyn Nets at the Cleveland Cavaliers. From the Nets side of the game, Karis LeVert's been ridiculously good to start the year. Uh, him and Zach Levine have probably been the two most improved players, obviously in a very small sample size. We're only looking at three games so far this year. But a little concern about Levert from his, for his fantasy production for me is that he's averaging 38 fantasy points per game, which is very strong, especially when we look at the 6,800 price tag. However, he's shooting 65% from the field. That's not going to keep up. And if we look at the taking 13 shots per game, shooting 60, 65%, he makes a couple less those shots. And we're seeing him at like 33, 34 fantasy points, which just kind of a fair price for the 6,800. With so many games on the slate, I think there's better values that we could look at. I think D'Angelo Russell makes some sense at 6,300. Uh, on the other side, Russell has not shot the ball well, and that's something that I expect to have some positive regression, shooting 35%. And overall, as good as Levert's been, as much as Russell has struggled so far this year, I still think that Russell is the better DFS player this year. Uh, not really a strong take for me. I could be convinced the other way. But Russell at $500 cheaper, I think he's the most sensible play from the net side of the game. And then from the Cavs, we have Seti Osman, the last set eye, 5,800. He's been really good DFS player so far. And if you just look at how he's contributing, it's across the board. There's there's nothing like ridiculously not sustainable what he's doing, in my opinion. He's playing 36 minutes per game. He's shooting 45% from the field, but scoring 35 fantasy points because it's the 17 points. It's five rebounds, five assists, a steal per game. I think all that is sustainable as long as the minutes are there. And I don't see a reason for the minutes to start going away for him because the, the Cavs are in rebuild mode and Osmond's actually probably been their second best player this year behind Kevin Love, who I also think makes sense for this late 8,800. Love is one of my favorite guys to pay up for. Love is averaging 46 fantasy points per game despite only shooting 30% from the field this year. So I think it's very reasonable that we see Kevin Love as a 10,000-plus player as the year goes on, just because he's going to make more shots. I don't think he's going to be ridiculously efficient, and it's going to be harder for him to get his own shots this year now that LeBron is gone. But still, even if Love is going to shoot, say, like 42 44% from the field with a usage rating in like the 28 to 32% range, that, that's really good fantasy impact. I think that he's a great play. Seti Osman, also a good play. Both of them good for cash games, good for GPPs. They're guys I want to have a lot of exposure to. Uh, next game on the slate is the Knicks at the Heat. From the Knicks side of the game, the one player who's really been a good fantasy producer across all the games has been Ennis Canner. He scored at least 33 fantasy points in all four games this year. He scored over 39 fantasy points in three of those four games. He's double-doubled in every game he's played this year. So at 7,000 in a matchup that 
is not super difficult against Hassan Whiteside. I think that a lot of people usually think of Whiteside as some great defender because of how many shots he blocks. But the the reality is that he takes a lot of chances to block shots. He leaves his feet a lot. Uh, he takes risks that he doesn't necessarily need to. And that's why if you look at previous years against the Heat, they haven't been great against the center position. So I think that Ennis Kander at 7,000, it's, it's pretty well below what he's been producing at this year, averaging over 40 fantasy points per game in a matchup that's not as tough as you might think it to be on paper. I think he makes sense at 7,000. Uh, from the Heat side of the game, Goran Dragic has played really well at 6,200. I think you give a look at him. Uh, the other thing that's of note here is Justice Winslow, who missed the first few games of the year, is coming back. We don't really know what his role is going to be off the bat, and I don't know how it's going to impact other guys. Scooter Magruder, Rodney Magruder, he's been awesome to start the year, but I think that he's somebody who really gets impacted by Justin Winslow coming back. I also think we might see a few less minutes for Josh Richardson. So I'm looking at Richardson as more just a GPP play because I'm a little concerned about how many minutes he's going to get. Rodney Magruder, as good as he's been, I think that we could be off him with the return of Winslow. And then Winslow, a little cheap at 4,000. I just don't know what the minutes load is going to be like. So that's something we have to look for uh, from the Heat Beat reporters tomorrow. Is is Justice Winslow starting? Is he coming off the bench? Is he going to have a minutes restriction? How many minutes is he going to be allowed to play? Because if we get like 30 minutes plus of Justice Winslow, then I think he makes sense at 4,000. If he comes off the bench restricted, then we could just ignore him on a slate that's this large. Uh, The next game we have to talk about here... Uh, pretty interesting matchup, the Minnesota Timberwolves at the Toronto Raptors. We currently have Andrew Wiggins listed as questionable with a bruised thigh. Uh, I think I read on uh, on Twitter from one of the beat reporters that the expectation is that Wiggins will play in this game. So as of right now, I'm not too concerned about him missing, but still something we have to look out for uh, tomorrow. Jimmy Baller has been the Timberwolves' best fantasy producer this year, but I do not like his individual matchup against Kawhi Leonard. So I'm going to be off of Butler. And then we have Carl Anthony Towns. He's all the way down to 8,200 now, but he's just not getting the looks in the offense. Uh, Tibbs has not found a way to get him the ball consistently. If you look at the usage rating for Towns, it's at 21% for the year. He has taken 12 shots, 16 shots, 10 shots, 6 shots in his four games so far this year. So an average of 11 shots per game. It's just not enough looks for me to trust him in a cash game. But still, there's upside in Towns for GPP, and if the price is going to keep going down, like he's too talented. There's a point where he's going to have a really big game, and they're going to find a way to integrate him uh, more regularly. There is a little bit of usage crunch here with uh, Jimmy Butler, Andrew Wiggins, and Derrick Rose uh, becoming more involved in the offense. Uh, I'm still I'm I'm willing to bet on the talent for Towns at 8200. He's worth a look in GPP, but nobody else do I really like. And then from the Toronto side of the game. I think that they're really simple, and that is Kyle Lowry and Kawhi Leonard both play a lot of minutes. They both produce a lot. They have a ton of guys who are really quality role players, like Fred Van Fleet. Uh, uh, Serge Ibaka's played pretty well this year. Jonas Valanciunas is a solid player. But none of these guys are really playing big minutes consistently. So I think here and there we're going to see big games from some of them. But for the most part, I think we can really just say Kawhi Leonard, Kyle Lowry are okay targets for DFS purposes and just forget about the rest of the Raptors, unless it's a small slate. Uh, next game here, we have the Utah Jazz playing at the Houston Rockets. And if you want to know how much respect the Jazz are getting so far this year, the Rockets are only two and a half point favorites at home, which basically means that Vegas sees these two teams as dead even. 
Home court advantage is worth two and a half points by the Vegas spread. So neutral court, we're looking at Utah and Houston currently being valued as equal teams by Las Vegas. That's, of course, uh, partially because Chris Paul suspended for this game. But still, Utah has played very well coming out of the gate. And that's despite not getting a ton of production from Donovan Mitchell. He's 7,700 for for this slate. He's averaging uh, 30 fantasy points per game after averaging 34 per game last year. And that was after kind of a slower start where he came off the bench. And the fantasy production was a slow start, not because of anything that he did, just that he was uh, a rookie and he didn't get the starting job until a little bit into the season. So looking at Mitchell, only shooting 34% from the field, shot 44% last year. And overall, the shot's just a little off to start the season. Uh, 70% from the free throw lineup, shooting 80% last year. I think that Mitchell makes sense as a GPP play. I think he makes sense as a cash play with this slightly reduced price at 7,700. With Chris Paul out of the lineup, this is a better matchup for Mitchell than it would appear to be on paper because the Rockets are just not going to be as effective at guarding guards as their DVP and ease rankings would make them out to be from last season because uh, Chris Paul is one of the best perimeter defenders in the league. I also think Rudy Gobert, 7,500, I think that he is fine to roster. From the Houston side of the game, uh, I know I've said this before against the Jazz, and it finally came true last game where they played a really low-scoring game against the Grizzlies, but they're tough on on opposing offenses. They really limit DFS production, and we have Clint Capella's at 6,600, James Harden, 11400 Neither one of them are really priced down for the tough matchup. Uh, we've seen in the past James Harden occasionally struggle against teams with a really good shot blocker uh, on the interior, and Rudy Gobert clearly fits that bill. He's probably the best interior defender in the entire NBA. So I'm off the Houston Rockets. I think there's better guys to pay up for than James Harden, uh, even though Chris Paul is out. Uh, I think in particular uh, LeBron James, when I get to him later, I think he's the guy to pay up for on the slate. Uh, next game here, the Charlotte Hornets at the Chicago Bulls. The Bulls' defense is going to be atrocious this year. It's been awful to start the season. Chris Dunn, uh, knee injury, he's out four to six weeks. He's just not been able to stay healthy. He missed almost half of last year with a variety of ailments. He had the concussion. He had the chipped tooth. I think he also missed some games with uh, was a thumb injury maybe. Uh, he had an injury when he was in Providence and missed almost his entire sophomore year of college. He's just an injury-prone player. That's something the Bulls are going to have to deal with. And without him, this is just a really, really rough defense. I think that they're probably going to finish the season as the worst uh, defensive rating team in the league. At best, they're going to be like bottom five. I don't see any way that they're not one of the five worst teams. So Kemba Walker, I think he's fine to roster for GPP and cash games. Nicholas Batum is all the way down to 5,500. I think that he's a great guy to target. Uh, he's not been great so far to start the season. He's shooting 39%, which we don't really expect him to shoot all that well from the field. But a 13% usage rating is just really low. And that should come up. Last couple of years, 18%, 22%. So he's not a massive uh, usage guy. He uses up a lot of possession. But he'll be higher than uh, like teen, uh, like below teen percent usage rating. Uh, Jeremy Lamb, I think, is okay to roster 5,100 for GPPs. He did play 28 minutes a couple of games ago, and the minutes were back down to 23 last game against the Raptors. But the the Hornets have been in a lot of blowouts this year. They got blown out. Uh, they blew out the Magic. They got blown out by the Raptors. So we can't put too much stock into their playing time this year. But Jeremy Lamb is starting 
And I think that the Bulls are so bad defensively that I think there's a very good chance we see Lamb get off to a good start in this game, which I think would would make Charlotte more apt to keep him on the court for a longer period of time when it looks like he's playing well because he gets the first crack at a, a bad defense. So Walker, good for GPPs and cash games. Same with Batum. Lamb, just GPPs for me. And then from the Bulls side of the game, uh, Cameron Payne is going to be the starting point guard for them for the foreseeable future, which is not necessarily the, the best situation for them. But he's at 4,000. He uh, struggled in his first start of the year, only played 22 minutes. That was also a game that was a bit of a blowout against the Sixers. But then the second game that he started, played 28 minutes, scored 26 fantasy points. And then the third game that was Chris Dunn was back, so he was back at a, in a bench roll. Uh, but I think that that's where we're probably going to see from Cameron Payne most games he starts. is somewhere in the neighborhood of like 27 to 30 minutes. He's only 4,000. I think that he's sensible play for GPPs and cash games. Uh, Wendell Carter Jr., after a couple of games to start the season where he struggled with fouls, played 32 minutes last game. Not a ton of fantasy production at 22 fantasy points. But he's a prospect that I like at only 4,000 now that we've seen that they are willing to give him more minutes if he could avoid fouling. I think 28 to 32 minutes for Wendell Carter Jr. definitely in play at a cheap price tag. I think that he is a good guy to save money with. And then Zach Levine at 7,400. He's been ridiculously good to start the year. There's no way that the shooting is going to continue. He is shooting, just bringing up the shooting percentage right now, uh, 50, uh, 61% from the field, which is definitely ridiculous. But he's averaging 44 fantasy points. So even if we see him missing a few more shots per game, which is almost certainly going to happen, he only shot 38% from the field. If you look at a 31% usage rating, and Chris Dunn uh, now gone, so we could really reliably say that Zach Levine is going to be the guy on offense. I think he's going to be somebody who scores around 40 fantasy points per game. Uh, they're going to need him to stay competitive in a lot of games because they're not staying in games with their defense. So Levine makes sense as a play at 7,400. I'm fine with him for GPPs. I'm fine with him for cash games. Uh, the next game on the slate, I don't really think this is a great one to target. The Indiana Pacers at the San Antonio Spurs. It is a 212 total. That is the lowest on the slate right now. And the Pacers, uh, the, the production has just kind of been spread around for them. If you really wanted to roster somebody, you could go to Victor Oladipo at 7,800, a little cheaper than what he was last year. But still, I, I don't really think we need to go here in a matchup against the Spurs in what should be a pretty slow-paced game by today's NBA standards. A lot of other spots to choose from. From the Spurs side of the game, we've got LaMarcus Aldridge priced all the way up to 8,500, DeMar DeRozan up to 7,900 after... Uh, last a uh, couple nights ago, just ridiculous game against the Lakers. And we've seen from Lamar Soldier, he's played pretty well this year, but still I'm a little concerned about the usage. It's down a decent amount from last year. He was a 29% usage player last year. It's gone down to 26% this year. And I think that's kind of around we see him, somewhere in the 25% range or so. That's right around where it was when Kawhi Leonard played alongside him. And I think we kind of see a similar type role from DeMar DeRozan, who's priced at 7900 I just think it's fair pricing on both DeRozan and Aldridge. The prices went up a lot from the ridiculous performances they had in the overtime game against the Lakers. So I, I don't think we really need to go there. There's other spots I'm more interested in. Uh, next game, we have the Philadelphia 76ers going into Milwaukee to play the Bucs. And there's just not enough information here for me. Uh, ben Simmons missed Tuesday night's game with a back injury. He's questionable for tomorrow. 
Uh, if he's rolled out, a lot of usage goes towards Joel Embiid. That's what we saw on Tuesday night. Embiid, uh, 30% usage rating, ended up scoring 64 fantasy points, at least in part because it went to overtime. But still, it was only 38 minutes for Embiid because he got into early foul trouble. I think that he would be somebody massive upside if we see Simmons rolled out again. Uh, if Simmons plays, uh, I think it's pretty interesting because Simmons and Giannis are both such mismatches for so many guys in the NBA. Both of them are good defenders. But they're two of the only guys who are capable of guarding each other. So I think that should Simmons play, we might see him and Giannis kind of cancel each other out a little bit. Uh, overall, tail end of a back-to-back, if we see Simmons go, I, I would kind of just be off everybody on the Sixers. And from the Bucks side of the game, bringing up their pricing right now, we've got Giannis 11300 I would rather just go to LeBron, who's a little bit cheaper and has a much better matchup, uh, especially if Ben Simmons plays. I just think that's too high of a price for Giannis against one of the only guys who are capable of guarding him. And then we just kind of have fairish-type pricing on Chris Middleton and Eric Bledsoe. Uh, maybe a little bit of value on Bledsoe at 6,700. I don't mind him in a GPP. Uh, but overall, I don't think this is a, a terrific game to target. We just really have to look for that Ben Simmons news and see uh, see what that brings for tomorrow's slate. Uh, next game, a few left to talk about here. The Memphis Grizzlies at the Sacramento Kings. I touched on the Kings a little bit at the top. They're a really high-variance team. They do tend to get blown out a lot. Uh, and this is a spot where the Grizzlies are not really priced up all that much. And they played pretty well to start the year. They've won two of their first three games. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. in the starting lineup at 5,400. I really like him in this spot. Because even if the bad version of the Kings show up and they just get blown out, which I don't really expect. This is only a two-and-a-half-point spread for this game. Uh, Jaron Jackson will probably end up playing in garbage time. We've seen him in garbage time so far this year. Uh, the other thing, as it pertains to Triple J, is that Jermichael Green broken jaw. He's out for, I think the timetable was four to six weeks. So Jaron Jackson is going to be starting over that time. I think he's going to play so well that we just see him stick in the starting lineup not just for the rest of the season, but pretty much forever for the Memphis Grizzlies. I think that he was a really strong prospect in the draft class. I think the price only goes up for here. I like him at 5,400. I like Gasol at 7,200. I think Conley's a good play at 6,700. Uh, those three guys, all good plays for the plus matchup. The Grizzlies are also playing at a faster pace this year. We've seen them as one of the slower-paced teams in the league. Uh, this game has a 219.5 over-under, which is not terrible uh, compared to what we've seen from games from the Grizzlies in the past. And then the other guy who I think is okay to look at is Garrett Temple at 4,000. Now, Garrett Temple is not somebody I think of as a very good NBA player, but if you look at the last couple games, 36 minutes, 34 minutes per game, if he's going to be playing that kind of minutes in a plus matchup at only 4,000, I'm, I'm cool with rostering Garrett Temple in GPPs and cash games. I don't expect him to go out and score like 40 fantasy points like he did a couple of nights ago. But still, there's there's a decent amount of security for him uh, in those kind of minutes in the cheap price tag. I think that he's uh, a good cash game play and viable for GPP, so the ceiling isn't massive for him. For the King side of the game, uh, I don't mind De'Aaron Fox at 6,600 just because he's been playing 40-plus minutes in close competitive games. Uh, Buddy Heald, Willie Cauley-Stein. Uh, Buddy Heald, I don't know what happened to him. I really thought the minutes were... Not, I thought he was one of the guys we could really count on for minutes from the Kings. Uh, but Dave Yeager said, not so fast, not the case. Because Buddy Heald, after playing, he played, was like 36 minutes in the uh, opening night. He played uh, 32 minutes. 
and then he played 27 minutes, 23 minutes, and 23 minutes. So I don't really trust the minutes for Buddy Heald all that much. Also a tough matchup. Uh, if you want to look at Marvin Bagley for a GPP, we've seen him put up some pretty good fantasy performances. He did it again on Tuesday night, finished with 44 fantasy points, uh, 20 rebounds, uh, 20 rebounds, 20 points and 9 rebounds. 20 rebounds would be really ridiculous. Five blocks. Uh, I didn't really love Bagley as a prospect coming into the draft, except it looks like he's a pretty friendly DFS game. He rebounds, he blocks some, he blocks, blocks some shots, blocks some shots. So he's active, good motor. Uh, he's going to rebound the ball. Only 4,800, so I think that he is okay to roster even in a tough matchup. Uh, the two guys I really like here would be De'Aaron Fox and Marvin Bagley. Uh, not really too concerned about the matchup just because of the cheap price tag for Bagley and the, the potential minutes that we could see from Fox. Uh, next game on the slate, I think this is the best game to target, the best game to stack. The LA Lakers at the Phoenix Suns, we have a 237 Total highest on the slate, highest of the year so far, I think. Maybe not. I don't know. I feel like I say that's the highest total of the year every single uh, slate, every single time I record. And maybe I should write down what the actual highest one is because every time I see the highest one, it's like, oh, that's a really big number. That must be the highest one of the year. I don't know. Maybe not, though. But LeBron at 11,100, I think he is the best guy to pay up for. Uh, He's looked a little off to start the year to me. Uh, it hasn't massively impacted his production. He's still averaging 54 fantasy points per game. He looked good in the, the overtime game against the Spurs. Uh, but I, th- I think he might not be in tip-top 100% LeBron shape, which I think is reasonable when we kind of look at all the offseason projects he was involved with. He moved to L.A. He has been working on Space Jam 2. He produced a documentary. He has the show that's on HBO. So I don't know if he was 100% in on getting in shape in the offseason like he has been in previous years. But the difference is to me that you're getting a guy who's like an 11 out of 10 as opposed to a 12 out of 10 that LeBron was before. So it's not really meant to be a knock on him. Uh, just that hasn't necessarily started the year on fire like, like we've come to expect from LeBron. And part of the reason why the Lakers are 0-3 to start the year. Uh, but either way, really plus matchup for the Lakers and a, a really strong matchup. The Lakers are playing at an absurd pace so far this year. I really like LeBron at 11,100. I think Kuzma makes sense at 6,900. I think that Lonzo Ball at 6,300 is a reasonable play. Uh, he played 33 minutes last game, started at point guard in place of Rondo, who is suspended for spitting on Chris Paul, which for some reason Twitter has decided that uh, Rajon Rondo is the hero in that spot and that Chris Paul had it coming. I don't agree with that. I don't necessarily really enjoy the... Uh, work of Rajon Rondo, and I don't think he's a great NBA player, but besides the point, Lonzo Ball is starting in this place now. He's at 6300 If we look at the price of Lonzo Ball last year, when he was kind of really rolling and everything going, he peaked at 8000 and for the most part, his price tag was in like the mid to low 7000 range. So there's value on him at 6300 I think that as he gets farther removed from the knee surgery, gets the rust worked off, which he looked pretty good last game to me against the Spurs. I think that he's a good value at 6,300. From the Sun side of the game, it's really Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton. I think those two guys are going to be where all the production pretty much comes from for Phoenix this year. 8,300 for Booker, 74 for Ayton. I think both of them make sense to roster for cash games, for GPPs. There's going to be a ton of points scored in the game. And Lakers only favored by two and a half points, so it figures to be pretty competitive. Final game on the slate, 
Washington Wizards at the Golden State Warriors. This is the biggest point spread on the slate. Warriors favored by nine. I think there's a pretty good chance this game ends up being a blowout. And I don't really love any of the price tags for anybody here. So the war, the Wizards, we've got John Wall at 86, Bradley Beal 7,500, Otto Port at 6,000. It's just kind of all whatever price going to be when we factor in the blowout. I don't really love any of them. And the Warriors side of the game, there's just other guys I'd rather pay up for than Curry at 9,800, Durant at 9,700. Uh, Clay Thompson's at 5,800. He's coming off an injury, so who knows if they're going to let him play his regular amount of minutes. Because as we know, the Warriors, they're playing for the postseason. This is game four of the regular season. This isn't uh, where they're really going to be pushing their guys, uh, especially if it starts to get a little out of hand. So that is going to wrap up the podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at GArenbergDFS. And uh, I don't. I think there's only, what is it, three or four, uh, is it four games for Thursday? So maybe I'll record a podcast. I'm not sure. It depends if I have stuff to talk about. Uh, I didn't do one last night for the three games late on Tuesday because there were so many key players that were questionable at that point in time that I just didn't have anything of note to say. It was going to be, hey, I don't know who's playing because we had Ben Simmons, Andre Drummond, uh, Jamal Murray were all questionable as of last night. So maybe I'll record a podcast for Thursday. Maybe not. It kind of depends what the slate looks like. Uh, But if not, I'll definitely be back for Friday. So have a good one and good luck on the big Wednesday slate.